Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine. And on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous positive impact on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. We are so lucky tonight. Even my cat has joined us. So we uh, tonight I have a very special guest, Haja Kenda, who is a dear friend of mine. And we are going to talk about, well, first of all, I'm going to read her bio, only I, it just went off my screen. So let me just find it. Um, and she is just an amazing human being. At 23. Nine at 23, Haja fled the conflict um, from the Diamond War in her country, Sierra Leone, where she had also suffered tremendous violence, including female genital mutilation and child abuse. And she attended several boarding schools and won a scholarship from France after placing first in the national exams organized each year for the best French language students. So she graduated first from, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Flora Bay College, University of Sierra Leone, where she majored in political science and French literature. While in college, she additionally won a Best Actress Award for The Revelation, a play she wrote, which she starred. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today It is about writing. And you said after college, she worked for BBC as a freelance writer in Sierra Leone. And she has done a project. One of her things after arriving in San Francisco, she worked... Um, on a project called Writing Your, Ourselves Whole. And that's what I want to talk about today is sharing your story and how, how do we do that and write ourselves soul? And what what is, I said soul, because that's my thing, soul to soul. So how do we do that? How do we use that writing as a tool to heal? Because I think that's such a beautiful, powerful concept and it's free. And I know that you bring women together and you do that. And I know you have a book coming out and, and many of those things. So talk to us a little bit about that. Welcome to the show. Thank you, dearest Jill. It's such an honor to, to be here with you and your guests and Thank you for introducing me so fully. I didn't know I had 
done all those things. <laughs> um, writing has been medicine for my soul. Coming from the kind of um, culture that I come from, where children are seen and not heard, uh, having a life of trauma leaves you very much in a place of loneliness. And most of the things that we take so much for granted in the Western world, which is free freedom of speech and being able to share whatever is going, you can stand in Times Square and hold a placard and, you know, <laughs> push forward whatever agenda you have. Unfortunately, in most parts of Africa and especially where I'm from, those freedoms are almost non-existent. And so as a child, um, writing came later on, but what really um, helped me in the early beginnings of, of uh, a very traumatic childhood was reading. In reading books, I could escape, you know, the, 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 the horrors of, of home life and um, the aloneness that I, that, that I felt because as I mentioned earlier, I couldn't tell anyone anything that was going on at home. And so um, thankfully I had a love of books. And so I would read book after book and um, just get lost in different stories about different people in different parts of the world. And then I, I just, one day it dawned on me that these stories are written. They just didn't appear in a book. Somebody wrote them. And I had all these inner stories that I had created to cope with my, my, um, my trauma. And I, I thought, Perhaps one day I too will be able to write and have other people in different parts of the world read about me, just like I'm reading about other people. So that is how my love for writing actually started. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. That's amazing. And it, it's so powerful. So what a gift then your writing is when you share it. And so when you started writing and you started expressing the, the the truth and and expressing your soul basically on paper yes how did what happened tell me about that well the first thing that happened was i had company i had company in my head and the the, the page became a friend to me there there was no censor, censorship i knew i could pour my inmost feelings and my deepest sorrows, uh, the page was always available to me. I could write whenever I wanted and I could write about the most painful things. And I knew it was this, the writing created this private oasis of, of wellness and, and it was almost like a guilty pleasure and um, uh, like medicine that was purely mine. No one could take it from me. No one could, could look at it and say, you can't say that, you can't write that, you can't think that. And, and, and so having those, of course, as a child, there was no uh, writing class that I took. I was just writing merely to cope with, with, with the, the, the traumas of, um, you know, being beat every day almost and um, being called horrible names and just feeling this incredible loneliness uh, as a child. And of course, when I went through the um, FGM, the Rites of Passage, which also changed my life, who was I going to to tell about the um, sudden um, facelessness and, and um, 
um, insecurities that I felt about my body and myself when all around me, most of the women had also had this done to them. So really, I, I had nowhere to, to, to go and, and talk about how uh, inadequate I felt, how incomplete I felt. And so I could write about that. I could write about those things that I couldn't talk about. I've never heard anybody say that writing was their, their friend, that it became their companion. And I, I think that's beautiful. I think it's so important that people are telling their stories now and really it's, it's very healing to express all of those things. And, you know, they say you need to feel it to heal it. And as you're writing, you're expressing those feelings, which is actually very, very healing for you. Absolutely. And I didn't know that in Africa as a child, but when I got here and then started therapy, just what you're saying, I recognize from professionals that, you know, intuitively, you knew that this was healing for you. It's been proven in, in so many ways, scientifically, the, the benefits of journaling and of just expressing pain on paper. And so that was a blessing that as a child, God afforded me to just know, okay, if I, if I write, I, I, can, I can get rid of some of these, these things that are in my head and in my heart that I don't even know what to do with or where to take. And so it, 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 it's, it's been from maybe age nine to for decades, I kept writing because I knew how much good it had done for me growing up in Africa. And, and so coming to America as an immigrant, there are more experiences that I had that left me feeling similar feelings that I had, had in Africa, loneliness being, you know, uh, how, what is the word <laughs> discriminated against, you know, being, being the other, being lower class, being different, all those things. I had already experienced what it felt like to be, to be different from other girls who were not circumcised. And so writing has just been, a, it's always been with me. Like I said, it's, a, it's been a friend to me. It's been a companion to me. And I, I don't think that there is a life that can be healed completely, fully, without that component. It's just my own personal opinion, but perhaps it's impartial to it. I know what good it has done for me. And all the women whom I have um, met through these writing groups have shared similar stories with me, that their lives were saved by their writing. So yeah. there yeah. must be some, 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 something in, 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 in this that not, not just I can, can um, attest to the benefits of. Absolutely. And it's so, you know, when, when, when I look at you, I see extraordinary beauty. And I mean, I'm not trying to flatter you. I'm trying to be honest. And what, what people don't see is what is going on behind because they, they make an assumption based on how you look A, a beautiful woman, a beautiful energy, bright, loving, all of those things. And they don't understand the, the human being beyond that, the, just the outer beauty. And so I think it's really important 
because it happens to so many women and that they express who they really are to be able to move forward positively and go from surviving to thriving, you know, like you've done. Thank you for that. I, I, I give God credit for that and amazing people along my life, who my life's journey, who I call my angels, such as yourself and so many other mothers that I've had and, and, and um, friends that I've met. I can say this to other women, like you said now, the privacy that writing affords you, the solace that it affords you, the freedom that it gives you to be completely open and vulnerable and just be how you are and feel what you're feeling is unparalleled. Because even when we go to therapists, we try to censor sometimes. I know I've done it. And I'm sure other people have. Right. Sharing with another person who is a human being. Maybe they're in a bad mood that day or you just don't feel like opening up about some particular aspect of your life. So we hold back and hold back. When you write, that is entirely your, 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 your time to be completely open with yourself. And so um, I will just share this with you, how important writing was for me. When I, I came from um, Sierra Leone after having run away from the war and other um, terrible things that had happened, not just to me, and found myself in America and again, in isolation from being different. I didn't even realize that there were classes to being black uh, until I came to America. And before, way before then, the color of my skin had never been an issue for me because I grew up with children from every part of the world. And I never knew being black meant something until I, I came to America. And even when I traveled um, a little bit in Europe, at least there you know that if you don't speak their language, they don't like you, kind of. So it's, it's, you try not to take it too personal. But when you come to America, it's, you know, land of the brave and the free. There's a certain expectation that immigrants had that when you come here, you're, you're safe, you're accepted, and you're welcome. And the reality of, of um, that was gradually <laughs> shown me in not so very um, comfortable ways, in some in some very painful ways, and so I had a, to have a re-education about my blackness or learn about my blackness in America. Yes, and so again, I found myself a, a, a foreigner in a country where I knew no one. My mother and I had been estranged as soon as I got here, and the only person I knew was my math teacher, who had been in the in the Peace Corps in Sierra Leone many years back. And so I came to visit her in San Francisco. And apart from her, I knew no one. So here I was coming away from a war and in a completely new country. So all the feelings that I had had as a child, being feeling lost and alone and um, uh, unsure of myself came bubbling back to the surface. And again, I had to turn to writing to get those feelings out and, and, and begin the... Um, the process of embracing all of who I am. At one time, things got so bad. I was so depressed and, you know, contemplated ending my life or just was hoping every day that that day would be my last. And was it not for the grace of God and my ability 
to go back to my old friend writing, I think I would not have made it. That's how important and powerful writing has been for me. Wow. That's amazing. And so it, there's just so much healing in that. And it's, it's really interesting that a piece of paper can transform into, into showing you that much love. Yes. Thank you for putting, you have the most beautiful ways of putting things, Jill. Thank you for saying that. It did show me love and um, actually gave me my life. Gave me my life. There my voice was uncensored and my feelings were allowed. They were permitted. Right. Right. And what you said about coming to this country and having to learn about your blackness. Wow. That's embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous, you know, but it's, it's true. And, and so I just, I, I pray every day that, that people can, you know, I'm doing this shine experience uh, program with, with my people and working with some companies and what, what we're doing is looking beyond the surface okay. to who people really are. And when it, when people look, that's the, the book I'm writing is called soul to soul because it's a, it's the power of just looking at each other at your heart, at who you really are. And it's helping people to understand that all this surface stuff is just a story, you know? And the story, the only value of the story is it, it, it leads you to where you need to heal. Hmm. And, and it's, it's, like a like a clue you know that that just leads you and shows you different areas that you need to heal and then when you heal in those areas then the power of that is then sharing your story with other people like what you're doing so that they feel that they're not alone thank you for for going there and and that is the other part of writing you see, if I hadn't been keeping all those journals all those years, most of my life would, be, would have been lost. And, and, and I think people don't appreciate writing in a, in a certain way that it's like taking a photograph of yourself and of your soul and of your experiences. You have it to look back, to reference, to see the progression. Like 15 years ago, this is how I was thinking. This is how it's so fascinating to me to go back to those early journals and see how I was as a young woman and, or even as a child and to look back now and say, Oh my God, have I come a long way? Exactly. Yes. You have that reference point. You, you look at old photographs of your children or of yourself when you were in, you know, high school and it brings back so many memories of, you know, nostalgia and and stuff. And and it's the same thing with, with, with writing about yourself, writing your story, going back to that and the, the power of that for others is you have lived your life so you own your story if you never tell it 
nobody ever gets to benefit from it. Nobody ever gets to, to, to recognize themselves in it. The recognition that all our voices are important, that what we live matters, that what we say counts, that how we've, we've transformed our, our, our experiences can help heal others, can help, if not even heal, let them know they're not alone. I think that's what writing has, has given me beyond companionship now that I share with other women and not just women, with other people, um, my writing. I hear these comments like, oh my God, you know, this was so useful for me. Or I'm, I, I, I didn't know I've been keeping my journals and I didn't know the, the value of them. I didn't know the importance of them. And so in exchanging our stories, we're connecting as humans on a very pure fundamental level that like you're saying soul to soul there are no there are no barriers no filters there's nothing it's just one soul connecting with another writing mm -hmm. is capable of doing that giving okay. that and so talk about too so that that's a huge that's making a huge impact and so how did you get the courage to start your do tell movement, to to start empowering other women to do the same thing because I know your journey, I know it, and it has not been easy. And so, where did that? How did you bring up that much courage? How did you tap into that? You know, I tell people the the definition of the word courage means to come from your heart. And you have one of the hugest, most beautiful hearts of anyone I know. And, and you can feel it through the screen. And so, but how did you tap into that to get the courage to, to start these things and to start sharing? Because it's difficult. Some people, it's very difficult. Oh, thank you for, for your heart. Thank you for seeing me from the very first time. We, we got on those Zoom calls and you, you wrote me a little note telling you could see my heart. And I just had, I, I think, remember, I just, I, 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 I teared up and I, I was so moved that a complete stranger could recognize me. Outside of what I look like, outside of anything, you saw my soul. You didn't know anything about my story. You knew nothing about me, but you could feel me. And, and you asked how I got the courage. It's moments like those when you connect with other people, perhaps over something as ordinary as um, a smile or uh, some mundane everyday thing. But something happens and you recognize yourself in them or they in you. And then you take that to another level, which is what I think gave me the courage to... Um, to speak up about my own experiences. It was the realization that there are other people who were suffering similar things to me, but who maybe didn't have the ability to write and so didn't have that outlet or um, didn't have the um, incentive or whatever the reason was, something in me was telling me that whatever gift you've been given through this, this fiery, these fiery trials you, you're going through, these gifts are not for you. They're not meant for you to 
write about your life and maybe heal yourself or maybe someday write a, a book about what's happened to you. And then you just come through this universe and like the wind, you're gone and nobody remembers you. No, there's a responsibility that is given to anyone who suffers. And that responsibility is to make that suffering count for something. And as a child, I didn't understand that fully. What propelled me was I, want, I didn't want other children to be, to be sad. I didn't want other children to have these questions about their bodies, if they had been mutilated, uh, to have these um, uncertainties or shame, you know, uh, deep, deep shame that came from all the abuse I'd, I'd gone through and I'd lived through. And it was such a painful place to be in for me. And I thought, if I could hide these secrets and they've nearly killed me, I wanted to die. You, you, there's, there's just so far you can run within yourself. Yeah. After that, wow. there's, there's just so far you can run within yourself. After that, something, you have to go outside of you to find complete healing. No matter how strong you are, how smart you are, how um, religious or spiritual you are, whatever you might want to call it, healing happens fully, completely outside of you with other people, with other um, healing modalities, but you can't do it by yourself. And so recognizing that if I had the courage to tell people that this was happening to me, perhaps I would have somebody else open up and share with me how they were hurting. It was all in my head until I actually did. Take the step. Take the, um, I don't want to call it courage to bear myself, to strip myself so completely uh, in front of the world when most of my life, all I wanted to do was to bury my head in the sand or have the, the ground open up and swallow me so nobody would ever see me. That was what I'd, I would have wanted for myself, to hide so far away. And so to go from that and to say, here I am, undress myself and say, these are the scars, these, these, these are the places of my shame, this is, the, this is the, the wound that is the deepest, this is all those things that I had kept hidden so well to unveil them to the world meant that perhaps somebody else would recognize themselves and feel, okay, thank God it just wasn't me. Thank God somebody else understands. Thank God somebody else knows what this has been like for me. That is it. It was not some kind of who um, say that I was going to change the world or this, I, I suddenly developed this superhuman courage. No, it was just my human heart, knowing what pain feels like and wanting others not to feel exactly that pain on their own by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was beautiful. And, and I agree with you. The, I think in, in my business, I started as a 20 year old girl, very, you know, very hurting uh, from, you know, things that had gone on in my family. And when I talk about my business, the reason I'm so passionate about it is because it healed me too. Mm. And it was that power of human connection. Yes. 
And when you give other people what you need. So when I saw the, the, the human beyond, you know, within, I was in, when my first contract was when I was in 20 years old and when I was in Washington, DC. So talk about masks. I mean, wow. You know, everybody has a title and, you know, Mm -hmm. a big government position and senators and congressmen and all of these things. And, but you know what? They're all human beings. Yes. And because I had such a desire to heal and, and to be seen for who I was and understood, then that's what I gave to them. And I, I was curious and I wanted to know, I wanted to go behind the mask. I want to see who you really are. And, and because I was, I, I, it was just like you, you know, being young, not understanding. It's just, but it's kind of an intuitive thing that is a natural thing that comes because you need to heal. Heal. So that, and, and having that authentic curiosity and wanting that human connection and wanting to see behind and understand and know the story. It, it's something you talked about, but you didn't say exactly. It gave permission for the others, whether they were, you know, a CEO or an oil field worker or a senator or a Supreme Court justice, it didn't matter. It, they were all human beings and it made us, we connected on a really soul level. level. And they had permission to put down this big mask that they were carrying yeah. that they wanted other people to see because this is an image that they had created. But it's hard to carry that burden And I never knew that. I mean, there was a complete accident how that happened, but I didn't recognize, I didn't realize that they were so tired and they were so that, and that when they came and they were seen because I really cared because I was interested that it gave them permission to put that down and just be that's why my book's called soul to soul just communicate as human beings Mm -hmm. and and feel safe and comfortable and free to say whatever that they needed to say so you're giving people with your work now permission and throughout that connection we reflect to each other and we see things and are triggered things in us that when we're in our own heart and mind and all of that, we, we don't always see that. But when someone comes and is sharing their whole soul with us, then we see parts of ourselves yes. that we couldn't otherwise see. Absolutely. And, and you're, you're right. That's the thing. And once you see that part in another person, there's this magic that happens. All these walls that we, we build, we have built, we've worked so hard to build, come crashing down. And in that moment, it's just one heart to another. 
Yeah. That's it. And it's the most beautiful thing to relate to people on a heart level. All the masks are put down. All the egos are, you know, at bay. And there is just recognition that I am you and you are me. We are one. We are the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I, that's my dream. (laughs) I, I, I mean, really. I I want people to I I think it's that that people come together in in a special way when they come to work. And I want people to experience these work environments as opportunities to grow, to learn, to come together, to see different perspectives to respect each other, to create that safe space where they can be all of who they are because you said it so beautifully. We need each other. And there's, how did you say that was so beautiful? You can only run so far. Within yourself. It's like, wow. You, you, you said something now that about the masks and you, you saw what happened when when they took off their masks and they could just be. You opened up another space because they had gone as far as they could go with what they could do for themselves, with how, you know, to manage, put on the face, get the big career, the big name, and uh, hide and run and run and run. Until, again... There is a place where you stop within yourself, where you can't get past you any anymore. Yeah. And then you need someone like you, or we call it an aha moment or an epiphany. That is something outside of yourself. That is a catalyst to say, wake up. It's time to recognize that you can do all you, you, you you've done all you can do on your own. Yeah. It's time to reach out to others. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I will share this with you that I had known a lot of people who had so many similar experiences to me, but never in the decades of my knowing them had I known that. The only time that I got to get glimpses, and these are people I've known, we've shared many moments together. I have relationships with them. Never did I know that they were hiding their own secrets and they had this so much pain inside until I ventured to say, you know, um, I'm writing my book. I'm writing my memoir. I'm telling my story. Um, uh, this is what happened to me. And I just want to share with you before the book comes out. I have been unprepared for the amount of women who have told me this happened to me or this happened to my child or this happened to a cousin but most most importantly it was them these women that i that i have known or um shared so many intimate moments with but we'd never gone past a certain point until i was ready to bear myself and strip myself and say this is my pain this is my shame i am taking it out there and i want to share it with you then did they have the courage to tell me their own stories. So again, you ask about the do tell movement. What I have come to realize from my own life and from my own experiences, if as a child, I had mentors, I had people who created space for me 
to tell this was happening at home or this was how I was feeling, I would have been saved decades of being suicidal. I would have been saved many, many nights of, of, of hating myself, of hating the world, of being so terrified of life, of, of feeling so unsafe. I, I could trust no one. Even the people who were kind to me, I always thought they had an agenda because the people who are supposed to protect you as a child, if they've betrayed you, who do you trust? So the importance of the do tell movement is taking these children, these women, these people, men, boys, whoever they are, at an early age where they have been traumatized to have the, the space, the safe space to say, this is, this is what's happening. So we can save them. We can put them on a path of healing very quickly and they don't have to suffer like I did for many, many decades. They don't have to be feel alone. They don't have to feel no one cares. What happens with abused people is there are three outcomes. They either become abusers themselves or they become further victims or they are catalysts for change. Now I want to hold on to the latter. Yeah. I want to embrace that and let it be the reason that I have made it in this life, that I've survived my story, that I've survived my life. I want to be in that last group. And I want as many people as possible who have experienced the kinds of traumas that I have to be in that group with me. So you tell quickly, we can help you on your path to healing. So that, but the silence, the shame, all these, 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 um, additional wounds that are inflicted on victims. Why should we shame somebody who's been hurt? If somebody has been sexually abused or their body has been violated, why do we punish them by putting a stamp of shame on them? Right. When we send soldiers off to war to fight and they're, uh, you know, a bomb explodes on their face or they have acid or they're burned, they come back with scars. We hail them as heroes. Why don't we hail trauma survivors as heroes that have survived their lives? That's Why do we punish them by shaming them as if being raped, being hit, being kicked, being slapped, being called names is some kind of um, definition of your soul, of who you are, instead of something that has been inflicted upon you? Why don't we show our faces and say, I am the face of someone who was hurt? I'm the face of someone who was abused. I'm the, the face of someone who was taken against my will. This is me. This is a life. It's not an, I'm not an idea. I'm not a statistic. I am a whole soul, a whole human being. And there are many people like me. I have done nothing to, to deserve to hide in, in, in the shadows for the rest of my life because that is what shame does to victims. I want to change that. I want to say any person who has not committed suicide, who has not gone out to hurt others because they've been hurt, who has made the effort to fight through their pain. And there's so much pain that I can't even begin to tell you. Those people deserve to be honored. They deserve to be seen. They deserve to be heard. And they deserve our love. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry if I went off on a time. Oh, no, I absolutely love that. No, no, no. Absolutely. I'm I'm so grateful for you sharing so deeply. And I just I I I love people like you who have 
come out of the pain and chosen made a choice, you know, and choosing you, you just choose the next moment. You know, that's sometimes that's all you can do is you just choose the next thought that feels a little bit better, you know, and little, little steps. But when people come out of it that have gone through the things that you have gone through there, it's like the, the ocean, the, their capacity to love and their capacity to make an impact is incredible. And it's like the deeper the wound, if they have the, the courage to just make these little choices for themselves and to just make one more minute, one more minute, one more minute, one more thing that's better, you know, make those positive choices and they can come out and survive and find tools like writing that can help them move through this. Then the depth of their gift to humanity through the love it's like the pain carved a, a, a deep hole in them and when they choose to to heal and to thrive and to grow through that experience then the capacity of love that they can give to the rest of the world is unmeasurable and I think that's what it's about. If you choose, it, choose to share your experience and choose to tell your story. I, I, I want to say this to add to what you just said, Jill. Sometimes on our own, we can't find courage. Sometimes we need a little love to find the courage within us. And that I think is what helped me. If I had been sitting in that group that day and you, we just came, we we're all women and you, we talked and we said whatever we're doing, the workshop we're doing, and you didn't send me that little note, we would not be here. This relationship that I, I pray is a lifelong friendship would not have been formed. So in these moments that we choose to give a little bit of ourselves to someone, plants in others something that is what you're asking them to get, to do, or to be, which is to be courageous. We're encouraged to be, to be, to be courageous. We're loved into courage. We, we, we cannot sometimes, those of us who have been battered and, 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 and brought down to our knees, it's very hard without the powerful hand of love to lift you up, to find your courage. It's very hard. It's almost impossible to do that. I would never have had the courage to 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 um to become this woman that I have become, who is uh, a woman who is just wanting to love other people who have suffered and um, help as much as I can and tell my story as much as I can, as long as it's valuable to to to, to others. That's just who I am. I would never have become this person had I not been loved into my courage into facing myself there's no way strangers showed up for me 
people held me when I felt so unworthy. People saw me um, beyond the facade of clothing and, you know, lipstick and uh, <laughs> makeup, whatever you might want to call it. And it's those people who saw Hada for who she really is that helped me to go back and lay on my bed one more day and have hope that tomorrow will be better. Because today that lady smiled at me. Because today somebody gave me a word of encouragement. Because today somebody said, here, have this for yourself. I know you're struggling. It was all those things combined that brought out in me what you asked me, what made me do, do, create the Dutel Foundation. It was, it was love. That's beautiful. And people don't recognize, you know, my, my business at the airport, it's, it, we, our tagline is, it's all about the love. And sometimes <laughs> people wow. see all the time, they're like, like, how do you, you know, what do you mean? I go, the success of my business, the entire success of my business is about the power of love and it can be in different forms absolutely it just means listening yes shutting your mouth it means smiling it means you know those little things so from uh, it would be i think really valuable to the listeners to hear tell me some things that Tell me some little things that people did along the way, little small things that, that <laughs> little kindness, they don't realize the, the little things that they do, the, the smiles, they don't, they don't realize that when they, they just smile from their heart. Their heart. Yes. You, you said it's all about the love and, and. I, okay, I, I won't belabor the point, but that is that is what it is at the end of the day. It's love that saves us. And I think what we don't recognize, and for me too, for the longest time, I thought I would change the world by doing this. If, you know, I, I, I wrote the <laughs> this grand book or I starred in this all-time big movie because it was my dream to, to, to be in the movies. And I had all these grand ideas of how I would change the world because I wanted to, even as a child coming from the kind of suffering, I, I wanted to, to make a difference. I wanted to, but I thought I would only do that if I, if I was somebody. And to me, that meant doing something phenomenal, something that would make me known over the world. And what I didn't recognize until it started happening to me was how, where I was, or where you are in every any given moment, every given moment, you can change someone's life with the smallest things. You ask me how. It started my my boarding school teacher when I was sent off at age eight or nine. Um, far away, I didn't you know one. I was hankering after my mother's love so much, and for that I got punished by being sent away. And I remember laying at nights and crying in my pillow many many nights. And I would wake up in the morning. I'd learn to put on the mask, even as a child. I've been wearing many masks for many years. You get good at that as a survivor. <laughs> at lying and fooling yourself and the world that everybody, everything is okay with you. But 
I mean, I would wake up with the other children and, and do the chores and fix my bed. And I was the most, I always had a smile on my face, even as a child. That never changed. Even through my greatest suffering, moments of pain, I was always smiling. So it was very hard for anyone to know anything was wrong. But my new boarding mistress saw my soul and my heart. I never told her anything. I never even told her I had been sent away to boarding school. But she I remember the first night she called me in her, her room. She called me after school and said, I want you to come and help me with the books. And she gave me, I felt so special that she had given me work to do, but she brought me in her sitting room. And the fact that she had chosen me in that moment out of all these children to come and sit with her made me all of a sudden feel, oh, they don't want me at home, but she likes me. I get hit at home. She wants me to carry the books. I had something to compare to that I had been seen as somebody valuable. She gave me work to do. I was not dismissed. I was not diminished. I can give you many, many, many examples of, and, and that helped me so much from that to survive my life in boarding school. From that one act of calling me in kindness, knowing that I needed a mother, knowing that I needed a friend, I needed something even though she could not, and she would never, it's in my book. I write about that. That's how profound as a child, that experience stayed with me. You read about it in the book. This woman had no idea that that little gesture of calling me to sit with her may have saved my life. Even then, because I, I was so unsure of, of, of what I was, how I was going to survive in this, this new, new, new place after some of the, the trials had already lived at home. And just that gesture created a shift in me. I felt that somebody cared enough about me to call me and say, come sit with me. So simple and so profound. So profound. And I can give you example after example after example of um, people showing up and showing me love. You have done that in so many beautiful ways for me. I, I, I cannot even... Uh, begin to say that you embarrass me with your kindness to me. You have, you have. And I thank God for you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for loving and giving of yourself so completely and for just having this heart for good. You have a heart for good for the world. And it's evident in everything you do. And just think of all the things you've given me, all the ways you've shown me you care. Along the way, the journey of my life, so have other people shown up. At times when I had nothing to eat, when I didn't know where I was going to sleep. It was not the big thing to, to rent a place for me or to do, but it was sitting with me and just seeing me as a person worthy of their time, worthy of a smile, worthy of a conversation. All those little things gave me courage to bear, hold on for just one more day. All that did for me was I would have been having the worst day and somebody would do something so small for me. Remember, I spent the first 30 or, or more years of my life hoping to die, hoping that day to be my last. So for me to survive those many years, you should know there are many miracles that kept me alive. And those are the miracles, the little things that people did, the little ways in which my life was shown that it had value. That's what kept me. Yeah. 
and it's that seeing people's value that that also those little acts of kindness they they make such a difference just those little things and i I want to start a kindness movement. I mean, people, people yes. have done that before, but I, I want to do that at the airport. I want to do, I want people to, to recognize that just these little things they do can shift. I mean, I've seen <laughs> CEOs, all of these high level people cry in front of me in my chair, just because they were so touched. Just. Yes. To receive a, a smile, a bit of kindness. Yes, yes, it changes the world. It changes everything. I remember the the the, um, the Filipino family. Uh, they, they were friends with my 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 son in, in kindergarten, and we were talking one day. Oh, Haja, you know what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? I said nothing. It's you know me and my son, and they said, Come join us for 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 Thanksgiving dinner. It's Thanksgiving. Everybody's with their family. How can you be alone? And I was so embarrassed, but so touched that these people felt, even though we don't have Thanksgiving in Africa, but they saw that in, I'm in America now, this is the American tradition, that something in them felt it would be important for me to not be, to not have Thanksgiving dinner. And do you know that for every year after, since my, my son was, I think, five or six, they invited us to to, to, to their Thanksgiving dinners every single year after that. Yes. So I, I, like I said to you, I could give you thousands of examples of these little acts of, of, of love. It's not just kindness, because kindness is love that people have given me and my child that have helped me to heal and to survive my life. Those are the things. And each one of those gestures, small, it builds up, it adds up. It was not, it's not one person that could have been able to, to, to take care of me and heal me. It's impossible. But it's those little moments that I was seeing and, 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 and cared for and cared about and heard and listened to and embraced and, and given gifts of love, of things, or whatever it was that made me have hope that, okay, not everybody's bad. Not everybody's cruel. Not everybody hates me. There is hope for me. Look at this. I had something to compare the horror with. It was love. So beautiful. We have to wrap up the show, but I just, they can find out all about you in the show notes. Um, Hajakenda.com, right? Yes. They can look you up. And so to, to everyone, just go be kind. And write and share your soul and write your way to wholeness and check out Haja on the Do Tell movement. All of her information is on the show notes. And thank you so much. What a difference you're making in the world. Thank you, my friend. I don't know about that, but (laughs) thank you for the difference you've made in my life. And thank you for having me on too. Thank you so much.